Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. study in the book of Mark. And next week, I want to encourage you to be here. Sky is going to be sharing in our worship service. I'm sorry. Lily. I said Sky's name too many times. Lily is going... (laughs) Was that a surprise to you, Sky? (laughs) Uh, Lily is going to be sharing in our worship service uh, during our message time next week. So, encourage you to be here. Robert Sheldon, I don't know if you know that name, but in 1896, he wrote a book, and the book is entitled, In His Steps, and I've read the book, and maybe you have too. The subtitle of that book is, What Would Jesus Do? And you know, in the 90s especially, that was a a big phrase, and a youth pastor was encouraging her students to think about what would Jesus do and so she was the one that created the little bracelet that you put those letters on and that spread like wildfire and we even still do it today with children's ministry. What would Jesus do? And basically it's a book about small town Christians who began to act and think and speak like Jesus in their everyday life. It's a good book, you ought to read it, In His Steps by Robert Sheldon. And after they spent some time acting and thinking and speaking like Jesus, their town began to change. If you have, I think it's a yellowish piece of paper, uh, we are going to take a look at some notes here. And there's a paragraph there along this same line, what would Jesus do? And it says this, as Christ followers, we are to follow Christ. I, I almost put, duh, on the end of that, but thought that wasn't maybe very professional. But, you know, that's, that's the bottom line. As Christ followers, we are to follow Christ. The Apostle Paul understood this when he wrote, follow my example. And, and think about this for a, a second and see if you could say this. Follow, everybody, everybody, follow my example as I follow Christ. Could you say that? Wow. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the Apostle Paul says that. In our text today, we see a characteristic of Jesus that we should follow. And that characteristic is his compassion. And he shows that by the healing of a deaf and mute man. Do you lean more toward compassion or indifference? A lot of us probably think, boy, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a compassionate person. But if you really started thinking a little bit more about that, how does that play out in your daily life? A simple way to discern this idea of compassion is what you would answer to the uh, uh, three following questions. All right? This may be not quite as simple as, as you might think. But did you cry when Bambi's mom died? All right? So, <laughs> some of you say yes. <laughs> You didn't, Will? I don't think so. Okay. Wow. All right. Question two. Did you cry? This is showing my age here. Both of these questions are showing my age a little bit. Did you cry when Brian Piccolo died? 
Brian Piccolo was a football player and he was good friends with another football player, black and white football players. Gail Sayers was the other football player and they were tight, tight knit friends. And the movie Brian's Song is about Brian Piccolo, who died, I think, at 27 years old from cancer. And uh, yeah, that was a, that. Was, I mean, I'm getting the chills thinking about that right now. That was a, that was a tough one. I talked to Vicky about this, and she said, "I've seen the I've seen the movie about five times, and I bawl every time." And then question number three: Do you cry during Hallmark shows? <laughs> My mom and dad, well, my dad especially, which blows my mind, has really gotten into Hallmark shows. And when I go and visit him, I can see him sitting in his big chair, and toward the end of that show, when everything works out, and it always does in the Hallmark show, I see a little tear coming down his eye. <laughs> I say, Dad, seriously, come on. Uh, well, that is true. Will says that's the only decent thing to watch these days, and that's very true. So we're going to take a peek at a story here, and we are going to see how Jesus, his compassion is revealed. And uh, I was thankful this week because Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I went camping. So while I was camping, I was working on my sermon a little bit, but then on Thursday, I came home and really dove into the text. And I was thankful this just flows so easily into a, an outline. And so as I read this, uh, and actually this story is only in the Gospel of Mark. Matthew, Luke, and John are not, uh, they don't record this story, so it's, it's uh, original just to Mark. But this is what it says. So we are in uh, Mark chapter 7 and verse 31 says this, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. Uh, Jesus, and we talked about this last week, is still is in Gentile land. He spent two years in Israel proper, spreading the good news, healing people with not many results, which I think is interesting. Sometimes we think we should have tons of results. Well, Jesus spent two years in this area with not much results. So he travels to the Gentile region, and that's where he currently is. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Apaphatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. I mean, if you couldn't talk and you couldn't hear, and Jesus heals you, and then he tells you, don't tell anybody, that's just not going to happen, I don't think. People were overwhelmed with, amazed, uh, with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Well, that is the reading of God's word. So, 
This is a simple story. It's a simple healing with really a simple text. And Jesus right now in this Gentile region is teaching his disciples in this story about compassion. And so we are told that some friends or some family brought this deaf, mute man to Jesus because they heard, and Jesus, the word of Jesus has gone out into the area. Uh, the healing of Jesus has gone out there, and they heard that he probably could help. And so we got five things we're going to look at here. And the first is this. Jesus showed his compassion. Jesus took the man aside. Did you see that? Verse 33, after he took him aside away from the crowd. In the time of Jesus, deaf and mute people were categorized with the insane because the rabbis said, we have no way of knowing what they understand. And so they were not looked upon uh, very well in those days. They were not granted normal human rights like the rest of the people. And this man was probably treated very poorly and probably ignored his whole life. And look what Jesus does. He showed him compassion by taking him aside and it says away from the crowd. To Jesus this was not just another face in the crowd. And this blows my mind. This man has the full attention of Jesus. You know, sometimes when I think about heaven, I wonder, am I going to just be able to have, with all the billions of people that are going to be in heaven, am I going to be able just to have the full attention of Jesus? Are we just going to walk by a river together, maybe arm in arm, holding hands, shoulder hug, and just have the full attention of Jesus and be able to say, you know, why did that happen? And, and what was that all about? And why is so-and-so not here? And, you know, I don't know. Am I going to have that full attention of Jesus? I think that's pretty exciting. This man who was probably ignored and treated poorly has the full attention of Jesus. Jesus takes him aside away from the crowd. And then what happens next, I did a lot of commentary reading on this. Uh, many of the commentaries believe that Jesus, what he's doing next is, is almost speaking his own sign language. He's trying to get in the place of this man by speaking maybe his own sign language. You know, there's not, there's not a, a, you know, a, a full-blown sign language class probably in this day. And so Jesus speaks his own sign language and the first thing he does or speaks, he puts his fingers in the man's ear. And Jesus is showing compassion by identifying with the man's deafness. You know, he puts, he touches the man's ear. So he knows the man knows that Jesus knows that he's got a deaf problem. So he puts his fingers in the man's ear. And I thought about this. I thought, you know what? Jesus knows our problems too. Jesus knows all about our problems. They're not surprises to him. You know, the, the Lord doesn't, doesn't wake up, you know, as if he sleeps. And looks down and says, oh no! What happened to John? You know, I mean, it's not a surprise. I got a couple of Bible passages for us to look up. Hebrews chapter 4. 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse uh, 14. And I'm sure you remember this from our study through the book of Hebrews a couple years ago. I'm sure you remember it. This is what it says. Therefore, Hebrews 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And here you go. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So look at this. Uh, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows about our problems. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And verses 7. This is Paul speaking here, and you've heard this passage before. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, the Apostle Paul was taken up to heaven, and so for him not to be conceited, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Hundreds of ideas of what that might be. Three times, sometimes you think, Boy, the Lord doesn't answer my prayer. Three times the Apostle Paul pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, and this is my, I got my red letter Bible. But he said to me, Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. And then he says this famous line, For when I am weak, then, because of you, Lord, I am strong. Jesus knows all about our problems. And then a verse that you're familiar with, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares, including the care of the whole mask thing, <laughs> cast all those cares on Jesus because he cares for you. All right, what else does Jesus do? Number three, Jesus touches the man's tongue. Well, first he spits maybe on his fingers, and uh, he touches the man's tongue. I'm not exactly sure why he spits, but it is interesting. And by touching his tongue, he is telling the man in possibly sign language that I know that you can't hear, and I know that you can't speak. I identify with your muteness. I recognize your problem. I understand. And he's probably in, in a way saying, you're not insane like the rabbis say. You're not crazy. 
And then I don't know if you noticed this, but it says that Jesus looked, uh, verse 34, he looked up to heaven. Uh, he looked up to heaven. We'll stop with that. Jesus looks up to heaven. So the man is not blind. So the man sees Jesus look up to heaven. And really it's symbolic to the man that what is coming next is coming from above. Jesus' power to heal comes from on high. And Will, you said that you like that song. I like that song, What a Mighty God We Serve. What a mighty God we serve. God's power comes from on high. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. And then Jesus does something else. I don't know if you noticed it here. But this is interesting. He says, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh. Did you notice that? He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh. Jesus sighed. And so again, the man was not blind, so he could easily see Jesus sigh. And I tell you what, if you go on your computer and you look up Jesus sighed, couldn't believe all the all the things that you can find about the different times that Jesus sighed in the Bible. Some of them were his human sighing. I mean, some of them, there's a, a passage we're going to look at in Mark chapter 8 where he just sighs because he is so frustrated with the Pharisees and their lack of misunderstanding. And uh, here, though, I think it is more of his... Um, of his divine nature that is sighing. And Mark here uses a Greek word that doesn't show up anywhere else in the New Testament. This is the only time in the entire New Testament that Mark uses this word, or that any author uses this word for this idea of a sigh. And it suggests a murmur, a sigh, or a groan. And again, I said, I think this sigh comes from his divine nature. And his divine nature sees this man's problem and really sees all of mankind's problems. Maybe even into the future for our day into our problems. And probably that sigh is a divine sigh which basically I think maybe says that it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. I think that man, I think Jesus sighed thinking to, that this man, that this, it's not supposed to be this way. Sin is why there is this illness. Sin is why there is problems in the world. It's all a part of sin and I think that's why Jesus sighed. And I think in that sigh, he probably saw the future too, thinking to himself, this is why I've come. I've come to take away that sin. I've come to be a remedy for man's problem. Take away all the pain. You know, Revelation says there's no more crying. There's no more, there's no more illness. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. And Jesus sighs because he says... I, I, I've, I've come to take away all of that. I've come to take away all of that. And then Jesus does one more thing. Number five. Jesus healed the man. 
I mean, you know, that's the, bo that's the bottom line right there. He's recognizing the man's needs, but then he heals the man. And I don't know if you caught it or not, but this healing is complete. Way beyond what I would ever think about as I was reading my commentaries this week. It says this, his ears are opened and his tongue is loosened and he's able to speak plainly. That's what it says. At this, at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Well, what does that mean? Listen to this. He hears and understands a language he's never heard before. I mean, he's deaf. So, with this healing being totally 100% complete, he hears and he understands a language he's never heard before. And then on top of that, he speaks words he's never heard or spoken before. I mean, it blows my mind how completely this man is healed. There, were, there was no speech therapy. When we were at camp this last week, there was, or a couple weeks ago now, there was a girl there who... Uh, had a speech impediment and it was because she was hard of hearing or maybe she couldn't hear at all. And so this man didn't need any speech therapy or any language capacity uh, or, or any language classes. He has full capacity to speak and hear words he's never spoken or heard before. So I mean when you, when you look at that, I, I was just kind of taken aback this week uh, as I was studying this, how complete this man's healing was. It wasn't like the guy was blind and now he can see. Okay, that, 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 that's amazing. But this guy couldn't hear and he couldn't speak, but now he hears and understands and speaks words. I mean, okay, maybe enough of that. All right. So... On your bulletin there, it says, how compassionate are you? If we are supposed to be like Jesus, how compassionate are you? Jesus is our example of compassion here. So if we are his followers, how compassionate are you? And so on the back of your bulletin, you will notice there, there is a quiz. You didn't know you were going to come to church and have to take a quiz today. So here's the questions. Do you consciously practice compassion skills? In other words, are you, do you think you're a compassionate person? Which compassion skills do you practice? Do you practice empathy? Do you practice kindness? Do you practice forgiveness? Do you practice gratitude? Are you the kind that sees a need and acts to identify and meet that need? Do you pray for others? That's a way of showing compassion or maybe you could put something else in there. And then how often do you practice compassion? Well, very, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a compassionate person. I probably pr pr uh, practice compassion more than one, times a, one time a day. Or maybe daily, about one time, or maybe weekly, or maybe, maybe monthly, or maybe infrequently. I, I'm, uh, I'm bad at compassion. I, I don't practice it at all. And then the last question, how would you rate your overall compassion strength? One being very poor and ten being very high. Think about that. Now, here's the, here's the trick. Men, you have to give this to your wife. All right? Uh, wives, you've got to go give it to a friend because your husband probably doesn't know much about this topic. I don't know. Maybe he does. All right? But 
uh, this would be an interesting thing to talk about on your leisure this afternoon maybe. How compassionate are you? How compassionate are you? And then I don't know if you noticed uh, that there was a good epitaph in our reading today. Okay, At the bottom of your bulletin to close it says this, what do you want your epitaph to say? This is what you put on your tombstone. A lot of tombstones, basic ones, rest in peace. Uh, maybe this is going to be yours. Friend to many, stranger to none. Or maybe you're going to get creative. All right, I found these. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake. Stepped on the gas instead of the <laughs> brake. All right. Or here lies Homer Pyle. Shouldn't have swam with a crocodile. All right. Chet, that's good. Actually, there was one right here in our text. And I think this would be a good one for any of us. Verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement. Look at this. This would be a great epitaph. He has done everything well. I wouldn't mind that on my gravestone. He has done everything well. And they said he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I wouldn't mind that on my gravestone. He has done everything well. And of course that's talking about Jesus. And of course he did everything well. But his best work by far is found in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. And this is what it says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was cursed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Now that's doing everything well. Do you know the Jesus who has done everything well? I hope so. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Wow, it's so practical. The message from your word is just so relevant to our day. We live in a pretty unpassionate world. And Lord, you have called us to be passionate because you were passionate. And so Lord, I pray that as we go throughout this week, that you would remind us where we are maybe indifferent and maybe need some work. Or you will encourage us that maybe we could show a little more compassion or speak a little bit more words of empathy. I don't know, Lord, but uh, your spirit is the one that does the mighty work on our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray that to be true. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org 
and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.